Hello everyone and welcome to Philosophication, Lonely Beard Edition. You might be wondering where Michael is, and if you listened to episode 3, you'll know that he's currently on detachment, uh, doing cool Navy stuff in an undisclosed location. Um, I know where he is, but I can't tell the internet, so he'll tell you all about it when he gets back. But in the meantime, uh, I had a couple things on my mind that I thought were worth talking about, so I thought I'd record a little one-off episode and talk about that. I'm putting this in a separate playlist called The Lonely Beard because I have a beard and I'm lonely without the ginger. So just in case I want to do more of this in the future, I'll have a place to put it. So the first thing on my mind is something that I think I've known for a while, but has become more starkly obvious to me since this whole Brett Kavanaugh fiasco went down. Um, So I think just about anybody who's been paying attention lately Uh, knows that at this point, America is more polarized politically than we have been in a while, Um, certainly in my lifetime, and maybe longer than that. That's not just my opinion either. There have been studies that show this, and I'll link one of those down in the description from the Pew Research Center. So what's really come into stark focus for me lately, and what I think has been a major factor in why the country is so polarized politically right now, is that the left and the right live in different worlds of facts. And to illustrate that, I'm gonna use Kavanaugh's testimony to the Senate Judiciary Committee as an example. So I didn't watch the full testimony, but I did see parts of it, and what really stood out to me about the whole thing was not the testimony itself, but the way the left and the right reacted to it. And depending on which side of the political aisle you talk to, you'll get two wildly different judgments of Kavanaugh's temperament based on this testimony. So the left will tell you that Kavanaugh was an unhinged, entitled frat boy and a crybaby. And the right's view is that he was righteously indignant and passionate in defending his good name from evidence-free accusations. So I think it's worth asking the question, how can two different groups of people watch exactly the same testimony and come to such drastically different conclusions? To me, it's an obvious answer. I think A judgment of a person's temperament is inherently subjective, not objective. And because it's a subjective judgment, it's inevitably going to be influenced by the pre-existing opinions of the person making the judgment. So I highly doubt that many people, if anyone, change their minds about Kavanaugh based on that testimony. I think just about everyone was making a subjective judgment about his temperament based on what they already thought of him beforehand for political reasons, whether they're on the left or the right. But the thing is, both sides see their subjective judgments as facts. So to the left, it is a fact that Kavanaugh is an unhinged, entitled crybaby. And to the right, it's a fact that he's a good, upstanding man who's done nothing wrong. So those things aren't actually facts, they're subjective judgments. But the important thing is that both sides see their own subjective judgments as fact. So these are the two different worlds of facts that the left and the right live in, and both sides will use their version of the facts to conclude different things. So in this case, a lot of people on the left are saying that regardless of whether or not Kavanaugh is actually guilty of sexual assault, he lacks the proper temperament to be a Supreme Court justice and therefore should not be confirmed. But the right doesn't buy that because they're starting from a different judgment about his temperament. So I'm certainly not the first person to notice this and it extends far beyond Kavanaugh's testimony and into just about every other politically charged issue. 
the left and the right live in different worlds of facts. They have different starting points. And the reason this is so divisive is that in this environment, everyone's conclusions make perfect sense to them based on the world of facts that they live in. So in the Kavanaugh example, if you accept as a fact that Kavanaugh is an unhinged crybaby, then it's completely logical to conclude that he should not be on the Supreme Court. But on the other hand, if you accept as a fact that Kavanaugh was righteously and passionately defending his good name from false accusations, then it makes perfect logical sense that he should be on the Supreme Court. So this is true across a lot of issues, and I think a lot of it has to do with which media sources each side is getting their information from. So there's a lot of fake news and propaganda out there on both sides, and it can be really hard to figure out the difference between that stuff and the truth. But regardless of the reasons for that disparity, if you live in the right-wing world of facts, then right-wing conclusions and policies make perfect sense to you, and left-wing conclusions look totally idiotic, and vice versa if you live in the left-wing world of facts. So what happens in that environment is that when we come across people from the opposite side of the political aisle, people who don't share conclusions that seem completely obvious to us based on our perceived facts, it's very easy to default to seeing those people on the other side as either stupid or malicious because to us, the correct conclusions are obvious. So if another person doesn't have that same conclusion, then clearly they're either an idiot or they have some, uh, some ulterior motive. So I think a big part of the reason a lot of our conversations are so unproductive and divisive is that we fail to realize that a lot of times the things we perceive as facts are not actually facts, but subjective judgments. And the other side has a completely different starting point of perceived facts based on their subjective judgments. So I think one step towards having better, more productive discussions across the aisle is to realize that the other side's conclusions probably make perfect logical sense to them based on what they believe the facts are. We need to have conversations in good faith, which means not assuming stupidity or malice on the part of the other person. We need to stop talking past each other and get to the root of the disagreement, which means trying to figure out whose version of the facts better match reality. And another important part of this is examining our own perceived facts, recognizing the possibility that maybe some of what we think are facts aren't actually facts, and maybe they're, su maybe they're subjective judgments. It's possible that some of our facts are actually subjective judgments. Maybe some of them are just false, or maybe they're, in or maybe they're correct. But it's important that we examine our own presuppositions to see if they're actually justified. So like I said before, that's something I think I've known for a while, but the Kavanaugh fiasco just brought it into sharp focus for me like nothing else has before. So I thought that was worth talking about and something worth considering uh, for people on both sides of the political aisle looking to have more productive conversations with each other. Now the other thing I want to talk about is something that might make me sound like a little bit of an alarmist, um, and I really don't mean to be, but here it goes. So with all the polarization in the country today, I've heard some people, you know, political commentators, um, on you know regular media and and more alternative media like YouTube and podcasts or just regular people on social media 
Um, I've heard a lot of these people throwing around the idea of a second American Civil War sometime in the near future. Now, you might think that's ridiculous, or you might think it's inevitable. I'm not here to speculate on what I think about that right now. Um, for now, suffice it to say, that it's an idea that I've heard being talked about lately. So what I've been thinking about is, what if it did happen? What if we actually had a civil war across the country? Um, and I've been thinking about that and asking myself what I would do. What would I personally do if that happened? So when it comes to politics, I strongly object to being pigeonholed. So our political climate causes people to ignore nuance on the issues, and it tries to force everyone into this binary of left versus right, and I find myself constantly resisting being forced into that binary and uh, trying to see the nuance in things. And if you listen to the first few episodes of Philosophication, you'll, you'll hear Michael and I talking about that pretty regularly. So the point is that I think both sides get some things right and some things wrong, but I absolutely do not sign on wholesale to either side's agenda. So my first instinct in a situation like that would be to stay neutral because I have significant principled disagreements with both sides. So it seems to me that when you fight in a war, you inevitably end up fighting for everything that your chosen side is fighting for, whether you agree with all of those causes or not. So think of a regular Confederate soldier in America's actual civil war. So I'm sure that there were lots of Confederate soldiers who signed up to fight for noble causes, for noble individual reasons like camaraderie with people that they knew or to defend their state from what they saw as northern aggression or even for more idealistic reasons like states rights but whether they liked it or not the civil war was also about slavery at least in large part so whether an individual confederate soldier agreed with slavery or not he took part in, he took at least some small part in fighting to defend slavery because that's part of what their army was fighting for. So if I have significant disagreements with both sides, would I be able to pick a side? Or is it possible that one principle of mine or one set of principles would take precedence over the rest? So for me, the principle that takes precedence over the rest is liberty. So. Part of me thinks that because of a principled stand on liberty, I would be forced to choose the side that, that I think does the best job of representing liberty. And to me, as things stand right now, the side that best represents liberty is clearly the right, clearly the political right. But you know, what if it turns out in practice that neither side ends up representing liberty very well? You know, both the left and the right have their own versions of totalitarian tendencies. And who's to say those tendencies won't come out in a war, even if they weren't intended to? But again, on the other hand, would it even be possible for a person to stay neutral even if they wanted to? And I guess it kind of depends on the specifics of what the situation is, but maybe one possible scenario is that the war becomes extensive enough that staying neutral is just no longer an option for anyone. So in that case, I guess it would just be a judgment call. You know, pick the side that lines up best with your principles and hope it stays that way. So I don't know the right answer, and I'm really just thinking out loud right now. And I absolutely hope that I'll never have to make a decision like that for real, but I feel like it's good to consider the question and maybe become better prepared to make a decision like that if it ever were to become necessary. 
So let me know what you think about that in the comments. Um, if you think there's something I'm missing, or maybe you think I'm just an idiot and this is a stupid thing to think about. Uh, you know, let me know that too. I'll be interested to hear more opinions. And also let me know what you think about political polarization and the idea of separate worlds of facts that I talked about and maybe some suggestions as to what we can do to fix that problem. So that's all for today and I'll see you next time on Philosophication. If you like the show, there are many ways you can support it. You can talk about it on your own blog or podcast, you can share it on social media with your friends, or you can leave a rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. If you're watching on YouTube, you can subscribe to the channel and hit the thumbs up button if you like this video. Or if you really like us, you can support the show directly by going to patreon.com philosophication. Thank you so much for your support.